me in. Philippians chapter 1, I'll encourage you to open your copy of God's Word there with me. Philippians chapter 1, if you would, find verse 19. Philippians chapter 1, verse 19. While you turn there too, you probably notice we've still got one of our My Heflin Baptist Church Family Loves Me sign. Many of you have got these, found them in your yard. If you have not and you'd like one, we've got extras. You don't believe this. I even found one in my yard this morning. And uh, somebody wrote down at the bottom, there ain't nothing you can do about it. <laughs> I don't know where they hear that kind of stuff. But anyhow, uh, that was really good. So I'm grateful to God for that. I want you to know you're loved, you're cared for, you're appreciated. And uh, don't want you to ever doubt uh, your worth uh, to the Lord, your worth to this body, or your worth to this preacher. I'm very grateful to God for you this morning. Philippians chapter 1. Verse 19. If you found your place physically able, stand with me. Honor reverence the reading of God's Word as we notice what the Word of God says today. Paul says, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and supply of the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. According to my earnest expectation and hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labor, yet what I shall choose I cannot tell. For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you, and being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith. Your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your word. I pray, God, that it would speak to us today clearly, that our hearts and minds are open to receive its truth, and may the Son of God be glorified through the proclamation of the gospel today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. I'm speaking to you today on the subject of living worthy. A song very popular several years ago that we still hear quite a bit from time to time on the radio and Spotify and Pandora and all these different uh, avenues of music, uh, Apple Music, what is it, Amazon, they're all out there now. But the words of the song said something like this. He said, I was in my early 40s, and I had a lot of life before me, and a moment came that stopped me on a dime. 
We spent most of the next days looking at the x-rays, talking about the options, and talking about sweet time. I asked him when it sank in if this might be the real end. How's it hit you when you get that kind of news? Man, what'd you do? You probably know that song. You've heard of it. It's a song made very popular by a very popular singer named Tim McGraw. And Tim McGraw made this song, Live Like You Were Dying. I'm sure it was a number one. I didn't look to see, but I'm almost positive that it had to be. But it became very popular, and even though it is a secular song, it is does have lyrics that, as you listen to them, will cause you to stop and think for a moment what it must be like to know that you've got to live like you were dying. I wonder when we hear songs like that or we hear stories that happen in our culture or things that happen around us to our families and friends and acquaintances, I wonder does it ever cause us to stop long enough to consider our own mortality? It's not very hard for us to realize our own mortality because not just because of what we've been going through in this country over the last seven plus months, but every time we pass a doctor's office, it reminds us that sickness is everywhere. Every time we go past the hospital, we realize that people get sick to the point that they have to be hospitalized and re receive specialized care. And then every time we pass a cemetery, we're soberly reminded that as much as this life has a beginning, it has an end. You've heard people talk about it. You go to the cemetery and you see that there is a date of birth and a date of death and then there's a dash in between. Some people are still in the dash. They've not made it to their date of death. They're still in the race, if you will. I'll never forget when my granddaddy died in 1992. We had to get the headstone placed at the cemetery and when they did... My grandmother wasn't even allowed to put her name on it. <laughs> she was There's no way. She lived another 22 years, but until the date of her death, she would not allow her name or her birth date. She didn't want any of that put on there, and it ended up costing us another $300 because she was being stubborn. Y'all believe that? <laughs> but I figured to live to be as long as she did, she could do about what she wanted to do. So we didn't say anything, and that was a small price to pay for her comfort. She refused to go look at that gravestone and see her name on it. I'll never forget that. But we are reminded each time we pass a cemetery or anything of our own mortality. But thanks be to God for Christians that we do not sorrow or even live in this world as those with no hope. And Paul told the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, he says, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, or some translations say this tabernacle, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. I don't know about you, but I praise God every day for the promise and the guarantee of eternal salvation for the child of God. I'm grateful that not only I, but every person who has placed their faith in Jesus Christ for eternal salvation has the promise of an eternal home in a place called glory with Him. I'm grateful, but I want you to think about this today, not just the time of eternity that you will spend with the Lord, but how worthy will you live for the gospel between now and then? When you think about those things, it causes you to ask yourself some questions, and it does me, and it causes us to ask ourselves questions like, 
do we really desire to make the right kind of investments in the lives of others while we're here on earth? You, you've heard me tell you, and I must remind you, that you can live this life one of three ways. You can waste your life, you can spend your life, or you can invest your life. Now, none of us would be foolish enough to say, well, I, I tell you what I want to do. I just want to waste my life. I just want to, I want to be like Freddie Fender, wasted days and wasted nights. I just want to waste my life. See, I'm dating myself when I say Freddie Fender, Joseph. Did you know that? That's telling that I'm on up there, right? No, 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 no. We don't want to waste our life. We don't want to do that. We, none of us would say that. But I, I do believe a lot of people fall into the category of just spending their life. They're always waiting on next day next week next month next year always thinking if i can just get to this point I, I, i'll have it made you know a lot of people think that you know if i can just get my children married and out of my house everything will be perfect but i'll tell you what i've never felt that way as a parent and the closer i get to that the less i'm looking forward to it are y'all all right amen anybody i'm just telling you it's not so i realize that that's going to present a whole new challenges for me i'm going to have to really minister to their mama more than i ever have uh, and you know mama might have to minister to me you know because i i'm pretty tight with my girls and I, as the vice president said the other night i make no apology for that right i do not i'm not, i'm grateful to god for that and i have chosen not to just spend my life with them or spend my life in the church but i believe we should really focus on that third category and that's investing our life friend do you realize god has gifted you specifically uh, for his glory and for the good of other people he really has he wants you to be a blessing to other people i know you think i how could i be this how could i be that oh you can be you you're so blessed and so gifted god wants you to invest all that he's given you so that you can live on in the lives of others now, there's another question we've got to ask ourselves and that is do we sincerely desire to make each day count for something in eternity years ago we were in pigeon forge and i'll never forget and uh, angie's parents were with us this was just before her daddy was diagnosed with cancer and i'll never forget we were at that cabin there was a handmade sign over the door going out onto the the outside deck and it said this it says don't count the days just make the days count it's amazing how just a few months later that became more real to us than ever before sometimes we're just counting the days and we're not making the days count and then we have to ask ourselves will we commit to do whatever is necessary to ensure that the life god has given us that we invest it to bring glory to him you were born to serve the lord you were born and created to be a blessing and to be one who brings glory to god i believe that with all of my heart the great preacher adrian rogers used to say years ago he says i'm just a dying man preaching to dying men and how true that is because as paul said this earthly tabernacle this earthly tent this earthly shell this earthly shell of a man that we are it is being dismantled we can do everything we can to preserve it i take vitamins every day right if i can find zinc anywhere i buy it now you're thinking you're the reason i can't buy any zinc preacher right now i'm taking the zinc and the vitamin c and 
and, and, and the vitamin D and the, the, the multivitamin. In March, I get to move up to 50 plus, right? I mean, I, I got all this stuff to look forward to. But no, I do all of those things because you want to do you, the best to be healthy, but ultimately, we're all terminal. You know, precious moments of our lives are passing very quickly. And I wonder how the fact that these moments are passing so quickly, how it affects us today and how we will live tomorrow. Several years ago, I came across a book that was recommended to me by a friend, a book written by Kerry Shook, who's a pastor out at the Woodlands Church out there north of Houston, Texas. Started out as a small church plant. Uh, it's a very populous area now, but it started a small church plant, you know, 30-something people. Now there's thousands and thousands of people that go there every week uh, for the services. And him and his wife literally wrote a book called One Month to Live, and I was reading that book, and it had a lot of thought-provoking things, and it still affects me today. And as I see the country and the shape we're in, and I see the world and the shape it's in, it causes me to begin to look to the body of Christ and say, what would we do if we knew we just had... 30 days to live. How would that realization affect us today? How would it affect us tomorrow? And how would it affect the generations that follow? So for the next few weeks, I'm going to talk to you on some of these subjects. And today, I'm talking to you about living worthy right here out of the book of Philippians. Well, let's just take a moment to look at a little background on this passage so we can understand what Paul's talking about and how it could affect how we approach the gospel today. Paul is in a Roman jail, one of the prison letters, prison epistles that Paul read. It's not just any old jail. It's not nice down here like the Cleveland County Jail or what. It was a filthy cesspool of a jail, a rotten place. And he's there in that, <coughs> that church, uh, excuse me, that jail in Rome, writing to the church at Philippi. And he is writing to them to encourage them to serve the Lord with joy. Now, you say, well, this must mean a lot to him. These people do mean a lot to him. Absolutely do. If you remember that it was at that, church, that jail in Philippi where him and Silas were at when they were thrown into the innermost, nastiest parts. They had been beaten within inches of their life. And Paul and Silas, instead of complaining, they started worshiping. They started crying out to God at midnight to a point that the ground shook. You can say, I don't believe that kind of stuff. You can choose not to believe it if you want to. I believe it's in the Word of God. I believe it happened exactly as they did. The ground shook. The gates opened. Their chains fell off. <coughs> they were free to go, but they weren't just going to take off and run away as fugitives. They went to the jailer. The jailer saw what had happened. He knew that if tomorrow morning that those others came and he had lost these two prisoners, Paul and Silas, that they would kill him. So when he was about to fall on his own sword, they stopped him and said, Don't do yourself any harm. We're all here. And then he posed that question. He said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved in your house. You know what they were saying? It's going to affect you, and it's going to affect everybody down at your house when you trust Jesus. And that very night, they led him to the Lord, went down to his house. They had some cornbread and beans, and they led them to the Lord. Amen. I'm sure they had to because it wouldn't have been a good Baptist fellowship if they hadn't had some beans and cornbread. So here they are. Here he is, writing to the church at Philippi again from a filthy Roman jail. And he's saying, listen here, you're going to have to serve the Lord with joy. 
See, in this first chapter, he shows that he has a desire to be with the Lord. He said, I'm in a strait. I'm in a hard-pressed place. I'm caught between two desires. I'm hanging between two worlds. I want to stay here and help y'all, but I want to go be with the Lord. You know, but for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. He knew that he wanted a desire to walk with God. He wanted to serve the Lord. He wanted to walk with him until he called him home. In those verses just preceding our reading today, Paul begins to talk about how his past influenced others to be bold in the gospel and how he encouraged them to not get caught up in the style of another, even the motivation of another, just rejoice in the fact that Christ is preached and the gospel is furthered. So Paul mentions to us here in this text some things I want to bring to your attention, some reasons that I believe he could look forward to the rest of his earthly life, reasons that you and I can look forward to the rest of our earthly life and ways that we can be a benefit to the body of Christ just as Paul sought to be. The first one is this. He talked to them about their purpose. He began talking to them in verse 22 about why they were there. He said, look here. If I live on in the flesh, that means more fruit. He said, if I stay here, there's more fruit, but which I cannot choose. I'm hard-pressed. He said, being with Christ is far better. Does anybody realize that glory is going to be a whole lot better than here? Amen. It is going to be a whole lot better over there, but what are we going to do between here and there? He said, nevertheless, in verse 24, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. He said, if God allows me to remain in the flesh, he can help me help you fulfill your purpose. See, bearing fruit through the reaching of the souls for the kingdom was at the heart of the Apostle Paul, and it was at the heart of the churches that he influenced. And when we talk about bearing fruit, we're reminded from John chapter 15 how Jesus said, I am the true vine and you are the branches. And he said, here's, the, here's what God's will is for you, is that you would bear fruit, you would bear more fruit, you would bear much fruit, and you would bear fruit that remains. That's what his will is for us. And he, he reminded them that as they worked together, if they were faithful in their purpose, they could win more people to Jesus. I would pray that if we all had 30 days to live, that we'd get really hot-hearted for sharing the gospel with lost people. Very important. There's a second thing he talked to them about. It was not just their purpose. He talked to them about their progress. He saw them maturing in the Lord. See, he rejoiced in how far they had come. He was excited to see how much more could be accomplished in their future together. He said, listen here, not only have we come a long way, we got a lot further to go. Now listen, in this pandemic and in all of these things that we've been dealing with the past seven months, I'm telling you, it's amazing to me how these situations ought to draw us closer to God and to one another. But due to the fact that it's an unseen virus, we can't tell what's going on, it has caused us to have to place distance between ourselves and other people who aren't in our family. I understand that. We, have, we hear the word distance, distance, distance. And any, you know, you watch all this kind of stuff. I don't know if y'all, did anybody watch any college football yesterday? Did anybody need an Alka-Seltzer and a Tums and 
couple of Pepto-Bismols when we wasn't playing defense. I'm not talking about that other team that got beat by Arkansas yesterday. I'm not talking about them. But anyhow, I, I still believe that was a fumble, don't you, Joe? Okay, just checking with my Bama faithful. But uh, listen here. I, I'm just saying to you, I mean, I, mean, I know it's, it's almost um, unfathomable to think that we have watched for years and years and years stadiums filled with 100,000 people at 20, 25% capacity, and not everybody's playing by the rules, but anyhow, I mean, they're just, there's all these different things that are a part of our society today that we've never had to deal with. And everything, listen here, Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy. He's come to divide and conquer. He would love to put space between us, but I just got some really good news for him today, and the Lord reminds us this for his word. He can put as much space as he wants. He can do whatever things he tries to throw at us. He cannot come between the people of God and their God because we are on his heart. He is on our heart. He has bought us and purchased us with the red blood of Calvary. We are his forever, and there is no separation in that. Amen? None. 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 So with that being true, Satan tries to distance the people of God. And boy, I'm telling you, he's having a field day on some of this stuff. But Paul is excited because he said, listen, we've come a long way. We've got a long way to go. And listen, this church had great respect for Paul. And because of that, he wanted to be a greater encouragement to them by being present with them. I, I, I promise, like I said in the welcome earlier, you know, this thing's gone on a lot longer than any of us expected. And how much longer it goes, we don't know. But what I want to encourage you to do is make sure you stay true to God, stay true to one another, and don't let the distance that the world tries to put between us cause us to be distanced from God or one another. We need God and we need each other. Really, we do need, we need that. We can all stand on our head for two or three weeks, but when it goes for a long time, we've got to remember what got us where we are and what will get us on home to glory. He talks about the word joy, and the word joy literally was the principal theme of the entire book of Philippians, and the people were marked with joy as they matured in the Lord, and as the psalmist said in Psalm 16 11, he says, You will show me the path of life, and in your presence is the fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Friend, I want you to know that even in the midst of great trial, we can find some things to be joyous about, can't we? I was telling Angie the other day, I was saying, you know, one thing that I'm very grateful for, I'm going to mention a few of those things. One thing I'm very grateful for is the man who invented the hot water heater. It literally preserves my life. Hot water is my friend. It awakens me <laughs> every morning. And uh, I'm thankful for that. I'm also thankful for the man who invented air conditioning, Mr. Carrier. Y'all remember? I really, that, that guy's awesome. I, I've heard people that tell me they grew up in the 30s, 40s, and those days, look here. They talk about it being the good old days, and I've had a lot of people in my family that grow up in those days that if those were the good old days, they can have them back, right? Because they like going to the bathroom inside the house and, and like hot water and, and, and like air conditioning. I'll tell you something else I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for the man who invented piggy sticks down there at the Papa's Pizza. Anybody else? Whoever came up with the idea that you put bacon on a pizza is a genius. 
Bacon is good on anything, Marty. You can put it on a hamburger, it'll make it better. You can put it on pizza. You can put it on what? You can put it in your cereal. I'm sure it'll help. But mix it with your Cheerios. Now, I've had to stay away from the piggy sticks and stuff for a while, but I did backslide a little bit during that defensive debacle last night. I did have to have a few to get through the game, okay? But no, I'm grateful that there are things in this life that can bring us joy. But our true joy comes in our relationship with the Son of God. Our true joy comes from Him because apart from that, we can get discouraged real quickly. And then there's a third thing He said, I need to, I need to stay on, not just for your purpose, not just for your progress, I need to stay on for your preservation. I need to help you persevere because the challenges are coming. And he talks about that in verses 27 and following. See, Paul invested in the people. He had a burning desire to witness their faithfulness of bearing much fruit for the glory of God. Boy, he was excited about what was happening. Listen to me. It's time for the body of Christ to get excited again about our mission and purpose together for his glory. It's time for us to quit worrying about what we can't do and all this and start talking about what he can do. Because if we're not careful, we'll get so focused on all that's been taken away from us and we won't keep in front of us all that God has that awaits us is what he did he desired to see them develop oh listen you talk to anybody that's been a pastor for very long and ask them what is one of their greatest joys and here's what most of them will tell you their greatest joy ministry wise is found in watching people who become born again and who never get over it. Those who get born again and those who begin to discover their giftedness from the Word of God. They develop their giftedness in their pursuit of God and then they deploy their giftedness to be used in the church for the glory of God. That, my friends, is the greatest joy that comes to any pastor ministry-wise under the sun. You ask them what their greatest heartache is and it'll be this. is that when people profess to know Jesus and they get over it where they once had a hot heart for things that mattered. They once were really committed to the cause. And then that flame dies out, and they lose their commitment to the cross. Now, some people will say, well, I just don't know if they were ever saved. That's not for me to say. It's not for me to choose. But it is hard sometimes to see how quickly the flame can burn out when all God did to purchase redemption for you. So he desired to see them mature. Well, where did he desire to see them mature? This is on the screen too. He desired to see them mature in three ways. One, in their consistency. Boy, I tell you, there's something to be said for consistency. That's why I say to y'all this morning, welcome. Hey, folks, God's got a word for us today. You know why? Because I don't want you to ever show up here on a Sunday wondering, I don't know, he may have something from God, he may not. I don't know, we, it's just kind of a roll of the dice up there. No, I want you to come, and when you park in that pew, I want you to have full confidence that there is a word coming from God for the people of God today. Amen? I want that to be a consistent diet in your life. I want you to depend on it. I want you to plan on it. And I want you to expect it. Here's what Paul said. Listen, we need to make sure that as you persevere, that you develop in your consistency. Here's what he wanted them to do. 
he wanted them to be, right there from verse 27, he wanted them to be standing firm, and he wanted them to be contending together. Now, let's talk about this. Standing firm means they're solid. Uh, contending together means there's some solidarity. And that meant that there was some unity. Listen, we can't get over the importance of unity in the body of Christ today. Every local church needs to be characterized by unity of purpose. Everyone does. You know why? Because if there is not unity, there is disunity. Now, when we think about unity, some people think that means that we're all the same. Thank God that's not true. Tony Evans says that unity does not mean uniformity. It means oneness of purpose. Now, we're all going to be different. We all have different gifts. We all have different likes and dislikes. Some of you may not be right with Jesus and may not like piggy sticks. They didn't see anybody like, what? Did he say, oh, I'm making y'all hungry. Too bad they're closed on Sunday, right? No, no, you're, you're thinking, no, no, not everybody likes that. My children order pizza with pickles on it. And I know some of you are like, I like pickle pizza. You better leave my pickle pizza alone. If you like pickle pizza, that's fine. Do you know when I eat the pickle pizza? When it's all that's left in the refrigerator. But anyhow, they like it. And they, put ranch, they think if you put ranch dressing on anything that that sanctifies it, right? <laughs> oh, hear me. We're not all going to be the same. Thank God we're not all the same. We've all got different gifts. We've all got different things that God has placed within us. And you know what happens when he puts all that together? He builds a team that touches tomorrow today. Certainly does. And he said that not only we want you to be maturing in consistency. Well, there's something to be said from that. Be a consistent person. Be a consistent worshiper. Be a consistent attender. Be a consistent giver. Be consistent in your life before God. And I tell you to go a long way. Here's a, another way they need you to be growing. Not just in consistency, but in courage. Think it's going to take courage to stand strong for Jesus between now when he calls his church home? Oh, honey, you can write it down. There, there are going to be a lot of people in our world in the coming days that should the Lord tarry his coming the pressure will get so much that they will not stand true to the gospel anymore won't stand for Jesus anymore but what Paul was saying then was in verse 28 he said you're going to have opposition and when the opposition comes don't panic because the opposition to those who oppose you it is evidence of their own perdition but to you, the blood-bought church, he's saying it is evidence of your salvation. That's shouting ground, church. As the old preacher used to say, that's the spout where the glory's coming out right there, okay? Listen to me. He's saying when you are opposed for your godly character and for your commitment to the cross, it is evidence that you belong to Jesus. Golly. I'm so glad I get to do this twice. I remember a lot of stuff at 1030. I forgot at 9 o'clock. Go get me another cup of coffee. I'm fired up, right? But we need courage. We need courageous men who will stand in the gap 
and courageous daddies and courageous husbands and courageous preachers and courageous deacons and courageous mamas and courageous followers of Jesus Christ. It's going to take it, brothers and sisters. Paul said, I want to hang around to see you develop your courage. And then he said, verse 29, I want to be here to see you developing your commitment. See what he's saying? He said, for you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, uh-oh, but also to suffer for his sake. Wow. There's two things here. He said, your commitment is that you would first endure suffering. Paul talked about it in the third chapter of Philippians, verse 10, one of my favorite verses. He said this, he said, that I may know him. Talking about Jesus. He said, I want to know him. I don't want to just know about him, but I want to get to know the man I met on the Damascus Road better every day. He said, I want to know him in the power of his resurrections. I want to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to know him being conformed to his death. He said, I'm not, Paul was saying this, I'm not afraid to endure suffering. But there's a second thing about their commitment. Not only is it involved in enduring suffering, but it also involves engaging in the struggle. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Boy, Paul nails it. He says, Timothy, you must endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now wait, on that word hardness, it doesn't mean you get a hard heart. It doesn't mean you get a calloused heart. It just means that you are being bold in what God has called you to do to be a soldier. When we train soldiers to defend this country, they don't hand out moon pies and RC colas and say, man, I hope y'all had a good day. No, they train them through boot camp. They train them through specialized training. They do all sorts of things and make it very difficult so that they will be prepared to defend this country against all enemies, both foreign and domestic, right? He said, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him to be a soldier. He's saying, Timothy, don't get so caught up in what's going on around you that you forget what's going on inside of you. Oh, boy, what a word for the church today. Your commitment is that you would grow to endure suffering and engage in the struggle. But I want you to part with me on verse 27 for just a little bit here, okay? Because here's where I really want you to catch and drive home what I'm talking about, about living word. Verse 27, the first part of it in the translation I read in New King James said this. He said, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel. I like the way it's translated in the Christian Standard Bible. It says this. Just one thing. <laughs> so, hello, just one thing. As citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, when we talk about legalism, when I was a younger pastor, there were people that would have thrown me out of their church if I would have said, hey, here's what it says in the Christian Standard Bible. Or here's what it says in the New King James. They would have told me that I was a flame and liberal and had no, I mean, I'm telling you, they were just, legalism, was, it kills the church. 
They would tell me that I had gone over to worldly stuff. I've had a preacher since I've been back here said, I want to invite me to preach revival in his church. He said, I'll invite you if you've got a King James Bible. I said, well, I got one. Bring it. I won't do nothing to offend you, but that's legalism, brother. He said, as citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, well, let's park out there for a minute. If I had 30 days to live, and I wanted to be sure that my life was worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, what would I do? Well, I made a little list. I don't think these are on the screen, but I want you to get these. If I had 30 days to live, and if you had 30 days left, here's what your preacher wants to encourage you to do. Because you know what? You may have 30. You may have 3,000. You may have one. You may have none. But for whatever days I had left, here's what I'd do. The first thing is, is I'd say to you, get your eternal destination settled. If you're in this room today and you're not sure you're going to heaven, I'm not talking about hope so, guess so, wish so, maybe so. I'm talking about 100% sure you'd go to heaven. Then I'd get that settled today. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, I wouldn't go another day. I wouldn't let my heart beat again. I wouldn't walk out of this building if I didn't know for a fact that I was going to be with Jesus. I'd get my eternal destination settled. I'd repent of my sins. I'd trust Jesus as Savior. I'd confess Him as Lord, and I would make no apology for it. I'll tell you, the second thing I'd do is I'd surrender completely to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you something. There's a lot of folks in this world, and there's a lot of folks in our churches today that have let something or somebody else become Lord of their life and his name ain't Jesus, and it's way too cheap. They sold out way cheap. I'd make sure that I surrendered completely to the Lordship of Jesus Christ because you know what's going to matter five seconds after you're dead? It's not going to matter what your friends think about you. It's not going to matter what anybody says about you. It's not going to matter one bit at all. All that's going to matter is what God knows about you. And you know what's sad about this culture today? This culture today places more confidence in what people put on social media than what God sends through the mouth of their preacher on the Lord's day. Hmm. I, <laughs> I was trying, Marty, okay? Oh, Lord God. See, preaching 21st century stuff, I'll tell you, stuff. Paul didn't leave us a guide. He didn't know what Twitter was, I don't think. Here's the third thing I do. I would reject any idea of a casual attitude towards serving the Lord. Too much casual Christianity today. Can I tell you this? It's not Christianity at all. Too much Christianity today that says, you know what, I'll go to church as long as I'm comfortable, as long as the preacher don't offend me, and as long as everything suits me. But if I have that casual attitude toward the cross, and I have not embraced what Jesus went to the cross to purchase for me, 
I'd reject any attitude of cast Christianity. I'd get a hot heart for Jesus. And I tell you what, that'd lead me to do. This is the fourth thing. I'd go tell somebody about him. And you know what? I hear people say this all the time. Well, you know what? I don't want to be pushy. I don't want to be that. I don't want to do that. And trust, don't get me wrong. You don't need to be arrogant when you share the gospel. You don't need to be arrogant when you witness. You don't need to be condescending. I'm not saying any of that kind of stuff because that'll not get you a hearing with anybody. Arrogance and condescending and belittling people gets you not a hearing with anybody but I'm talking about I would compassionately and I would con consistently and I would sincerely search out people to tell about Jesus that I knew needed to know him before I died and here's the last thing I'd do I'd live every day to glorify God my family's been in quarantine for the past two Y'all know I don't like quarantine. I don't like quarantine. And might I say one more time, I don't like quarantine. I'm kind of like the little boy in school. The teacher says, uh, if you don't stop talking, I'm going to move you over there and sit by those other kids. <laughs> Not a problem, teacher, I They'll be my friend in five minutes. Moving my, moving my seat won't stop me from visiting with my neighbor. Right? <laughs> oh, man. But I live every day. No, it's my life. Do you remember uh, I started out telling you about old Tim McGraw song? You know, when I finished that part, I said, how does it hit you when you get that kind of news? Man, what did you do? I know what some of you did. In your heart, you started going, I went shuddering. I went rocky mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a boy named Food Man Q. <laughs> That's okay, because you don't have to be spiritual with me. We're all real like that. I got thinking about that. Skydiving is not something I'm ever planning to do. If somebody tells you Brent jumped out of an airplane, you know that it was going down and the parachute was my only hope. I am not jumping out of something that is operating at full capacity. Right? That's why the Lord allowed airplane to get you there, not to jump out of it. So, no, skydiving's not a... Not, if I've got 30 days to live, I'm not skydiving. Rocky Mountain climbing. No, I'm not doing that. I, I, we've been over on the Utah side of those Rocky Mountains, those Wasatch Mountains, 14,000 feet. That's only seven times higher than Geoff. <laughs> so no, no, I'm not climbing mountains because I could have 30 days and I could lose 29 really fast. And riding a bull named Fu Manchu, I... I tell them, you know, Angie was a Texas girl. She knew all about the bull riding and stuff and the Bronco Billy and all that kind of stuff. But I, 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 I'm probably not going to. I don't have the physique to ride a bull. Uh, those guys are little squirrely guys that weigh about 112 pounds, you know. And if they land, it's not a very big greasy spot. If I land out there, the rodeo clowns will be shoveling me up to next ride. Uh, so, no, I'm not jumping out of an airplane. I'm not climbing a mountain. 
you know, because I am a preacher and I work with words, I thought I might change the lyrics a little bit. What do y'all think? So if I had 30 days and I did all those five things, what's some other I go wide open, quit all my moping. I'd ride my old four-wheeler, and I'd jump a creek or two. And I'd sing louder with old David Crowder. Thank the Lord above for all he's provided. And friends, right now we've got a chance. Live life for your God. How you gonna do it? I don't know how long you got, but I know this: much as there was a beginning, there is an end. What will you do between now and then? I plead with you: live. Father, in Jesus' name, <clears throat> I'm so thankful for your word today. So thankful for how you challenged me. And Lord, that even though we've been on this journey for many years now, I don't want to ever want to lose the wonder of what it took for you to purchase redemption for sinners like me. I don't ever lose the wonder of what it means to live worthy of the gospel. God, challenge our hearts today to live these next 30 days worthy. children in this area. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, I want you to look this way just for a minute or two. Here's a couple of things I want to say to you. One is, you know how important your soul is to God and how important it is to me. And as a child, if you're here and you're a child of God, how important your obedience is If there's anything at all you need from the Lord, anything I can do to help you one bit, I'm here. I'll be here till the last person opens because you matter, and I don't want you to ever think. There's a whole world out there that'll tell you you don't. When you come to this place on Sunday, I want you to leave here knowing you do, okay? You matter to God. You matter to me. He loves you. I love you. On the way out, our uh, offering buckets are at both doors. Don't forget our, our regular um, tithes and offerings for our budget. God bless you for your faithfulness throughout these months. Please continue to be faithful. It's not for me. It's for him, and it's for you. It's what it does for you and what it does for the kingdom. Don't forget our partners in uh, Wakeham City. Don't forget them also because I'm telling you, God's doing a work out there, and he's allowed you and I to be a part of it. 
I know we missed our team out there this summer, but if Lord cares it's coming, we'll get rescheduled and we'll be back. But between now and then, we're going to continue to invest and support in the work. Uh, I was watching the other night, you know, they was having a debate in Salt Lake City and they had some of the buildings. I'm like, I don't know about you, Glenn. I was like, Robbie, I was like, hey, I know where that is. I've been right by that. And uh, it's just a blessing to be a part of what God is doing there. So don't forget in all areas because um, this, this mission's too important. And I want to encourage you as I talk about it. When you leave today, don't just dismiss. Sometimes people walk out of church and they dismiss what the preacher said before they get to the car and turn on Willie and Wayland, okay? They done forgot, okay? So don't forget. Let the Word of God take root. Let it sink into your soul and think about what it means. What difference could you make in the next 30 days for the glory of God? There's four Sundays counting days between now and Election Day, okay? And I tell you, we need to pray much, much, much for the heart and soul of this country. There are so many things at stake. It's not just about an election. It's about moving forward. I don't come here to endorse anybody. Y'all know that. But if you'll come listen to what I say and the convictions that I have from the Word of God, you probably won't have any problem figuring out how I'm going. Amen. But uh, I'm just saying to you that uh, we definitely need to stay true to the Word of God here and stay true. It, it's so. I, I'm not for a candidate and I'm not for a party. I'm not, like I told you last week, I'm not for the donkeys of the Democrats or the elephants of the Republicans. I'm for the Lamb of God, a place called glory. It seemed to come get his church, but between now and then, I'm going to do what's right. If the Spirit of God leads me, I encourage you to do the same. But there's three more Sundays till now, Election Day. And I want to encourage you to pray individually, pray with your family, and as a church body, let's call on God to help this nation be one nation under God individually Lloyd and Jesse Slade not getting caught up in all the movements not getting caught up in all the just going to get caught up in Jesus get caught up in the word of God and just keep telling people what he said and he'll take care of the rest amen I really believe that so don't forget those things on your way out today Marty's going to come and sing us out what a little how great is our God Marty Hey, stand with me. If you believe he's great, I want you to sing this chorus with him. Have a great Sunday. You know we love you. God bless you.